Welcome to the Plan the Hunt podcast, a new podcast for deer hunters looking to up their game. And now, fresh from trying to find a secluded hunting spot away from the other 20 hunters per square mile in Pennsylvania, your host, John Ianico. Hey everyone, welcome to the Plan the Hunt podcast. This is season one, episode one. Thank you so much for joining us for the inaugural episode. And today we have a great episode coming your way. We're going to speak with Tim Bunau, a public land hunter from New York State. He's going to talk to us about a particular buck that he's been hunting for three years. He's also going to tell us about a public land trip that he did out of state for whitetails in Kentucky for an early season velvet hunt. And then we're actually going to talk about some plans that he has to move out west to the promised land state of Montana. All right, here we go. So now let's hear from our guest in today's interview. We are joined here by the man with one of the more famous mustaches in hunting from New York <laughs> State, Tim Bunau. Tim, how are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, me and the mustache are doing good right now. Good. How long have you had uh, <laughs> Have you had the mustache? Uh, I've grown it now for probably about two months now. I, I'm I'm well ahead of schedule. I normally don't start till uh, right before season, but this year uh, I had big plans for the season, so I'm pulling all the stops out. Okay, I hear you. I'm, I've uh, I had a beard. I've kind of had beards here and there um the longest i could go was about a year um but i'm thinking of uh i don't not i don't really like having a lot of face paint when i hunt and a beard kind of helps just break up your outline a bit break so, up yep yeah yeah so does the mustache they don't know what to do when they see that <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> especially, especially full curl yeah i heard raleigh fingers <laughs> was a great bow hunter so <laughs> all right well That's uh awesome uh, Tim, tell us just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, in the country, and and where you hunt. Yeah, I'm. Uh, well, I'm gonna be 38 years old. I live in uh, upstate New York, just below Syracuse. Uh, actually, I was born and raised in uh, Pennsylvania, and then halfway through high school, I got moved up here. Um, primarily hunt New York. Uh, I make the trip down to PA. Uh, I haven't recently in the past couple of years folks have been on other spots, but this year I will be. Uh, that's basically about it. I'd... Okay, and you had you were saying earlier before we started recording that you had uh, lived in Kentucky for for a couple of years. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you were doing down there? Yeah, um, when I moved to New York, I had been introduced into uh, the BMX scene. Uh, this is like freestyle BMX, street riding, handrails, uh, jumping off buildings, basically. Uh, so I got really involved into that. I got picked up by a clothing company out of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, one of my uh, better friends, he had done the same thing. Uh, I'd gone to college for, uh, got my associates, and after that, I had literally packed up and went down there i lived down there for seven years uh street road for those seven years filming traveling to each and every city uh on the east coast all the way out to austin uh just filming and uh street riding okay i uh you know growing up i was always hunting and fishing uh even through the early part of high school, my freshman year, everybody would be partying i would go to the the video store if anybody knows what that is 
and uh, you know, pick up a VHS cassette of uh, Eastman's Hunting Journal or uh, Real Tree Outdoors, and I'd be watching that on Friday nights instead of being out partying or hanging out. And that was my life. And then, uh, you know, fast forward to the BMX scene. Haven't fished, haven't hunted in forever, and a buddy asked if I want to go fishing. Went to the falls of Ohio. First cast landed like a sixty-pound blue cat. And uh, wow. six months later, I was sixty or six months later, I was back in New York with a bow. Wow! And it's, it's been nonstop since. So, how long have you been have you been bow hunting since then? Uh, I've been back for five years now. Okay, uh, I think five years. Yeah, I've been back for five years now. Um, I came back in January. I had a bow in my hand in February. Uh, if it was above thirty degrees, I was outside shooting. And then, yeah, I mean, basically it's been nonstop before, uh, I got introduced and before I moved to New York, I had bow hunted for three years prior to that. Okay. Okay. Um, so what's the type of terrain, uh, that you normally hunt in New York and, and PA? It's all hill country. Um, I, I, we do have some swamps, uh, you know, the farm country area. Uh, I typically find that with the public pieces, um, anything that's going to be kind of a farm, uh, terrain situation, it tends to have a little bit more uh, pressure on it. I think everybody's, you know, they, everybody just, uh, um, is attracted to the agriculture aspect of it, the fields, you know, the field edges, this and that. Um, the swamps, we don't have those huge swamps like you see in Wisconsin, you know, the, you know, thousand acre swamps. Mm-hmm. These are more, you know, the small little cattail, a couple, couple acres, you know, not really a couple acres, more like, you know, 40, 50 acres, decent size. But, um, what I've come to find out is most of the time they're not down in those swamps right out the, you know, right out the gate it's until the pressure hits. That's when they start to go down there. Okay. Uh, so, you know, most of it's all, you know, in the hill country, the big block timber, uh, food source everywhere so keen on uh specific locations is kind of you know difficult okay so at this time of year what what are you kind of keying in on in these big blocks of timber that you're hunting acorn flats um basically yeah i mean acorns trying to find the hot acorn sign uh it's kind of hard you want to do some scouting like right now how to find the hot food source but at the same time uh you don't want to you know, booger up your areas so it's it's kind of um that's the joys of being a mobile hunter is you have your areas uh you know your waypoints your pins on these little oak flats and plan of attack you come in with wind in your favor and you kind of bounce from tree to tree kind of a deal or area to area um knowing where the bedding is keeping your wind from there and try to find that hot, um, you know, those hot uh, oaks. So these public tracks that you're hunting in in New York, um, how how large are they? Uh, anywhere from, I think the one closest one is like 600 acres, and then the other one is two. I have, I think I added them all up. I have close to 40,000 acres all within like a 45 minute to an hour drive of me. You know, it's just, it's all scattered, uh, you know, some big blocks, some smaller ones, you know, sm- smaller pieces. Like I said, the smallest ones, like 600 acres. So, um, 
I have quite, you know, quite a variety. It's just, uh, you know, a lot of them are, you know, just a big hunk of public. How would you describe the the pressure on on the public that you hunt? Uh, I mean, honestly, I don't think it's as bad as what everybody makes it out to be. Gun season is a different story. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a whole other animal. Right, uh, right. Bow se- you know, bow season. It's hard to say, honestly, because I'm always the first one in, and I'm always like the last one out. Okay. You know, so it's hard to really, really tell it, what everybody preaches. You find your typical hundred, you know, hundred yards off the uh, the log and road trails, you know, or you know, five hundred yards. You got a steep incline. Most of the time, there's a stand at the bottom of that. You know, they won't go up it. Right. Water sources. You know, people, if it's more than, uh, uh, you know, muck boot, deep water, mm-hmm. they're not crossing it. You know, hmm. nobody, nobody's carrying waders back in, you know, these areas and stuff. So that, that's that's the biggest way to separate yourself. But as far as the pressure wise, you can easily make a play on anybody that hunts, you know, most the, most the area. Just because uh, there's a couple of guys that I, I recognize their trucks. There's a, you know, a black... Uh, Chevy with a brownie sticker on. If I see this one piece, I know which way he's going. He's going right to his one stand. He goes there every single time. You know, so. Um, Wait, hold on. What sticker does he have on? A brownie. Okay, hopefully he's not. You know, he's, he's got like a little brownie sticker on the back of his, you know, the back window. Right, right. Yeah, so basically you're talking about patterning. You got to kind of pattern the hunter and hunt, and hunt around them. Yeah, and I think at the pro pressure was bad as what people said it wouldn't be that I, I shouldn't even say easy easy is just a, a wrong word to say because it's not easy right uh, it's just you know no, more noticeable mm-hmm. you know the, these people um but but you, it's the same it's the same vehicles every year i don't see a lot of new vehicles okay um and they're pretty you know, predictable in terms of where they're going to set up yeah uh uh they like to follow the rules by taking their stands um i should say by leaving their stands in their year round so um, (laughs) right yeah you know so it's just you know they're they're the the people that i see the most um okay i have i have taken a day off or two and not hunted and drove around right um i've caught two people uh with stands on their back climbers and um and they were literally heading towards the ag fields okay how deep are you going in these pieces to get, you know, away from people or just even to where you think the bucks are hanging out? Uh, some of them are, you know, a mile and a half. Uh, I think the access to some of these spots are a little bit longer. You know, I might be, I might only be like a half mile in, but there could be like a water barrier in between it, uh, a steep ridge. But in order to access it properly, I'm doing like the two mile loop. Okay. You know, to come up around and things like that, but it it all depends. Um, my uh, my main focus area for uh, a particular buck, uh, I, I'm I'm literally only a hundred yards off the road from uh, one of the stand sites. Uh, another access for another set is, is probably about a mile and a half. Okay. So it's really just dependent on the particular buck that you're targeting. Uh, particular buck I'm targeting, and just the way that the uh, 
you know, the the pieces laid out. Okay. It's going to vary. Going back to the terrain, what is like the top elevation uh kind of height-wise that you that you you'll hunt in your area? I think the tallest hill is like a little over 2000. Okay. That's like that's like topped out. Okay. Um and then what about um I know like a big trend right now um in mobile hunting or run and gun hunting however you want to call it is you know using water as an access or people are going in on kayaks to get deep and stuff like that um is that something you do or does that not really necessarily apply in the areas you're hunting uh it's something i i i'm prepared to do it but it's not really uh necessary uh, i i could probably take a shortcut by taking a kayak but uh, I mean, I literally have to walk an, an additional uh, 100 yards, and then I can cross, you know, this creek. So it, it, it that doesn't bother me. It, it, you know, it's actually a little bit more convenient just to walk that 100 yards. Um, yeah, for the most part, I don't really use them. Uh, there is a spot out in western New York that I would use one to get across a, a lake in order to access an area. Okay. But, um yeah, that's basically about it. Most of the water is just inconvenience for people, and in the, it's laid out inconveniently for people to, uh, you know, to want to cross it. Yeah. You know that that by that meaning they have to walk, you know, through the woods maybe a couple hundred yards and then you know cross a, a deep section of creek. So therefore, you know, it entails them to carry waders, which means more weight and you know this and that. So. You know, that that kind of little that's kind of more the situation yeah 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 i mean i'm you know very similar to you like i'm would be ready to do that unfortunately for all the you know places i hunt water is not really like a huge barrier um beyond like what you could you know i mean most you would need would be like waders or something like that in a marsh um so okay so you guys are starting uh monday is your opener um, why don't you tell us a little bit about maybe a buck or or maybe two or three bucks if you have any that you're targeting and how you kind of came to get a line on them, uh, just kind of how you're going to approach this season coming up. Yeah, so this season is going to be a little bit different. Um, I got a new job in November, uh, basically working 60 hours a week. Um, wow, that'll so affect your hunting gonna, a bit. Yeah, I mean – I, I I'm fortunate enough. I got to tone that back to 50 hours a week. <laughs> so, wow, right. uh, you know, but I normally, I, I kind of want to say I'd, I'd really cut my teeth on my scouting. Um, I traditionally the past, you know, 40 years or so I, I would put in hundreds of hours of scouting from the end of season all the way up till season. Um, you know, targeting different areas trying to find the best bucks i could find and for the most part every year i would find you know three to four bucks um all within the same age class you know all you know great great new york public bucks um i would actually you know i've seen i think every single year i've seen at least two to three of those target bucks from stand the reason why this year is different is because of lack of scouting um which has actually put me into um, hopes that a particular buck had made it. Uh, this buck normally showed up, um, would show up around the end of August into July. Uh, for the first part of that, he never showed up. So I was basically planning on just bouncing around 
you know, um, trying to find hunt, you know, try to find something throughout the season. Uh, I did for some reason, uh, had a problem with trail cameras this year, every single camera I put in all the other areas, um, either died, uh, didn't trigger a tree fell in front of one of them. So I got, <laughs> I got 3000 pictures within, uh, you know, two weeks of it being out there. I just had an issue. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, I'm long winded. I left the one, I put that can, I left that camera where I hope this particular buck had made it and he had made it. Um, when I pulled the camera, I saw he was in there. I, I immediately yanked the camera out. So I don't have any temptation to go in there. I've been after this deer for three years. The reason why I haven't put full uh, effort into them is because I had several other deer to go after. Okay. You know, all equally equal age class. Well, this deer is now a five and a half year old, four and a half, five and a half year old deer on New York public, which is, um, has been a goal and a dream of mine to be able to go, um, to try to go toe to toe with a, you know, an old deer like that, that's made it through New York public. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's got, um, a great, you know, he's got a, a great, great rack. But I'm not interested in that as much as the fact that I know how old he is. So I, you know, and this piece of public is hammered. So I don't, you know, I don't understand how he's even made it. So in order to go toe and toe, you know, with him, um, you know, that's what I want, and that's what I'm going to go after. I've uh, said that, you know, it's it's him or nothing kind of a deal. So I will have tag soup uh, if I don't, you know. If I don't get a chance at this buck, I have crossed paths with him twice last year. So, um, I have a decent read on him. I've set up cameras. I, I, I was granted access on, um, a piece of private that borders it just for access, um, and run cameras on this thing is only 500 yards away, this private piece. And, uh, he has not shown up and I, I literally have a straight line coming down this edge um this property has one person hunting it. it's 99 acres i think that's where he's alluding to another piece of another piece of property um to the north of it so this is to the south to the north of it um i had became friends with this guy i got access to park um on his property so i can come into the public um became friends with him he's he's a nonchalant hunter uh, I was really surprised when I first started talking to him. He just pulls out his camera and his phone. And he starts whipping these photos out of deer, you know. So he's he's real open about everything. Sure. That deer that deer never showed up on um, on his property, which is a food plot. Okay. There's one camera. It's it's a food plot. It's a community scrape. I have deer, or he I, he showed me deer that I have pictures of almost a mile away. Oh wow. This this particular buck, um, the area I'm getting photos of him, where I was getting photos of him. It's only 400 yards away from his area. The, mm. the deer never showed up over there. Hmm. So basically, I have his home court narrowed down to almost a square mile. So okay. that's where he's hanging out right now. But do you know kind of the high, the hidey holes like in there where you think he's um, being? You know, he's present at certain periods of time. So you said this deer is five and a half this year. Yeah, he'd be, he should be four and a half, five and a half years old. And then how many uh, years of pictures do you have of him? three wow no way and like yeah. how you know how many times has he showed up in daylight during during that time uh so all the way up until 
the second week of October. Okay. Now, normally, what I what I have done in the past, I think I've actually been um, I've been the reason to for his pressuring. Uh, I haven't seen anybody else up there. Um, my core focus area for him, um, I feel most people are just they're blown right past this and overlook little briar patch kind of a deal. Okay. You know, so people are blown right past it. So the way I've been hunting it and running the trail cameras, um, I think that I was the one who kind of pushed him off. And I think where he's after, you know, the past couple of years of trying to figure out where is he going, um, it's gotta be that 99 acre piece. Um, oh, okay. But you, you can hunt on that or you just can use it. I, I can't, I, I can't hunt on it. I can use it for access. For access. Um, okay. You know, so, um, talking with a guy, find out that it's only his brother hunting, uh facebook um i'm a creep so <laughs> i he, so i found uh this guy's you know brother and he's there's no way he's walking from the the parking spot you know from his brother's house okay. to the food plot he's taking this food four-wheeler up there oh okay the field that used to be field is now maybe uh seven years untouched so it's now 10 foot high you know uh different vegetation growth you know mm-hmm. big it's a it's a big brush lot now it's a crp field um so he's got plenty of room to hide over there this okay. guy's taking this guy's taking this four-wheeler to the same stand every single time mm-hmm. it, it just makes sense that that's where he would go um so it'd be real interesting to see once i start hunting him if he goes over to that property and i'm leaving those cameras up you know across that uh, um you know basic blanket as a line to see if I can catch him when he gets over there, because he should start using some of the other patterns. But it's really interesting. He, um, the area that he's in, where I get pictures of him, I haven't had more than one buck show up, and that other buck will show up once and never show up again. Hmm. Uh, the cameras elsewhere are getting tons of different bucks. So, are you saying he's staying away from the other bucks? I think the other bucks are staying away from him. Okay. Okay, so how many cameras do you have kind of right now blanketed out to try and get him on camera? Seven. Seven across that one edge, the 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 private piece. Um, the other side, I don't have anything on just because I feel like I put the pressure on on that side. I thought my access was clean. Okay. Um, kind of kind of second my guessing, second guessing myself on that. But um, I do have one that's on a roadside crossing. I literally like on a telephone pole almost. okay it's like that's how close to the road it is um and it's kind of I, I actually put it up first thing in the morning uh when there wasn't traffic so your seven cameras are on these 99 acres it's going right it's not on the 99 acres it's going right at that field edge going you know catching things coming off the public okay so like what's the acreage area you'd say that those seven cameras are covering oh gosh um I think they're probably they're probably only about 200 yards apart, going up a straight, going uh, it's basically a straight line going straight back. So okay. it's like, you know, their, their field, the field goes, it's a straight, you know, uh, a straight shot going right up uh, um, right up the hillside across the, a ridge and then down. So it goes all the way across it when are you going to make a move on him are you going to like check the cameras see when he's showing up go in or what's kind um, of your game so plan? so the the cameras are set off to the back um 
trying to catch you know him moving off to that side. Uh, this small briar patch that I know where he's at, where I had cameras on there previously, um, caught him out of coming out of his bed. Um, that was that was sheer luck. Um, then I bumped him out of his bed. I was I was 15 yards away from this deer wow. last year. Um, you know when when he got up and jumped. Uh, and I know that area. Um, and then the other briar patch that he's, he's staying within this briar patch. So my whole entire plan is hunting it with a right wind, trying to catch him with inside there. Um, the oaks, the oaks, the way, uh, they're laid out from his bedding areas. He has to get from one point to the other. So, I mean, that's kind of my game plan is to hunt that one. Um, his one bed, he's got another bed by a water hole, which I was hoping we have a warm spot like we normally have, mm -hmm. which we're not going to have. Mm. Of, of course right but um you know but that's another area it's just this little home court area he doesn't have to leave he has multiple oaks he has that water hole he has everything he needs in that cover the cover is you know phenomenal um people aren't going through there they're not it's hard to get through there um winter scouting it even the predators they skirt the edges of it like when you see the coyote tracks they're all going around the edges of it constantly nothing's cutting through where this deer is going into so what do you feel like your chances are to actually get on him and, and, and get a shot? 30, 70, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, being, being realistic. Yeah. Um, it's, I feel like I have a good sh opportunity, Adam. Um, it's just, do I pick the right time? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know he's in there. That's why I pulled the camera up. I know enough to know he's in there. I know where he wants to go or where he should want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a matter of um, hitting it at the right time. It's just, it's super hard. It's also windward. Mm. So that's the other, that's the other thing. It's everything what, um, you know, what Dan Infall teaches, everybody else teaches, you know, the leeward side. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, he's adapted to this area uh, to be on the windward side. And he used the briar patch almost like a, a marsh. So, he, you know, he's sitting on the transition line between uh, the briar patch and the woods uh, using the wind coming across instead of thermals. He's using more or less the wind hmm. and then his vision where he, all he has to do is hop up and jump into the briar patch and he's gone. Do you have any kind of rut uh, data from the past that you think, okay, he's going to be more active in this particular area based on maybe historical data? Uh, so yeah, he disappears um, around mid-October. Um, like I said, though, I, I did pull my cameras out of there before the previous years. Okay. Um, prior to that, but I just have never seen him, um, or like any sign of him being in there past that time. And I think what it was is my pressure was pushing him over to this 99 acres. Now that time frame too, there's a point. There's a small, small sliver that you can walk around this hillside to get to that has a point. Uh, right behind this 99 acres. I had scouted that this, uh, that was one of the spots I scouted this spring and uh, loaded with does. The other thing um, I like to mention too is where he's bedded, you know, where he's staying at right now, there's right. no other deer. There's no other deer showing up on this camera you hmm. know, throughout the previous years. You know, he, he's, he's an old, he must be an old angry jerk. You know, <laughs> like, you know? But so that's my hopes is that most of those I've seen from hunting this particular 
area for you know the past couple of years comes from that that private piece so i think what he's doing is you know mid-october he's getting up and he's moving over to that other piece either because of the pressure that's being put on him um and it just makes sense he wants to be closer to those does you know he, he's an old man he doesn't want to um he doesn't want to go around chasing, you know, he knows where those does are. So he's going to set himself up where he can, you know, he's still safe. Security is number one, mm-hmm. but he can sit close to those does. He can watch the young bucks come in and out of there, you know, wait for those does to come in, you know, to estrus and then make his move. Um, that's part of the hopes of uh, those cameras being in there too. So if I do lose him on this one, you know, in the one area, then hopefully that's where he's moving to. So I can make it play on, you know, on that doe bedding area. Mm-hmm. So your your kind of first targeted strike, what what is it? Early season. Okay. These you know these first couple of weeks. Okay. What uh, what are the conditions you're kind of waiting for? Uh, a straight west wind. Um. A south. A southeast would be perfect. If I can do a south, um, south's gonna be cutting. Um, cutting it. It has to be a 10 to 15 mile per hour wind uh, just to keep thermals down it's kind of close to the edge. Um, and then uh, I can do a Northwest uh, as well for another spot. And that's kind of circling uh, this brighter patch. Uh, you know, I feel like with my uh, access into it, he's going to end up crossing it at one point in time. So that's how um, previous years, but I never, you know, of course, like I said, I had other deer to chase, mm-hmm. so I would give it a shot, you know, and my, my assumptions were that I probably, you know, he's going to end up cross. If he didn't show up, he's going to end up there, you know, within the next day. So, you know, that, that stands, you know, kind of burnout kind of a deal. You mean, just to clarify, you mean in terms of you're just ground scent or whatever, like you may ground not. Ground scent, yeah. Okay. I, I have to, I have to cross, you know, areas yeah. in order to get to one. I just don't have a single foolproof, but. Um, I'd like to work it in a particular order though. I'd like to use the South, you know, access first. Therefore, you know, if he does cross that, hopefully it pushes him, you know, back South a little bit more so I can use the North, you know, set next. Okay. So, you know, I kind of, you know, particularly bumping him back and, you know, pushing him back into a little corner, um, until I can get to that West. So is that like, you're basically saying stacking, 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 yeah, okay. stacking. So how many how many sits do you think you have before, you know, you feel like he's three, gonna get bumped? Three to four. Okay. Three That's to four. My 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 last set, um, is gonna be a hitter. Is gonna be, um, I'm either gonna blow him out of there or I'm gonna have a setup on him. And I'm gonna kill him or he's not gonna be there. You know, one of three things right there. Yeah. Um. So where I bumped him out last year at 15 yards, um, I had. Scouted this, you know, this transition. Um, I haven't actually been back in there. I kind of thought that this other little po- or private piece that, that these guys were hunting it. Uh, lo and behold, these guys haven't hunted it in a while, so he's been freely moving through there. But um, walking to this transition line, um, I started running into some big, you know, poop. Uh-huh. And it, it, I'm just like, that's always a big uh, sign for me. Um, when you see those huge soda can, you know, size poops, you're like, it's got to be a big deer. Raining some big tracks. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to put um, a camera up right here. Put the camera up. Uh, when I went to go pull the camera, because I went to go uh, transition it to uh, a 
late October area that okay. traditionally been shot, you know, so I'm like, I need a camera. I'm going to go grab this camera. I got two six high and that's when he jumped up and ran. He was 15 yards away from me, uh, bedded right here. Did you know that that was his bed at that time? I did not know that was okay. his bed at that time. Okay. Um, so when, um, I pulled that camera, uh, quite a few pictures of him using that West wind, hmm. uh, le leaving that bed. Okay. So, you know, he, He's the only deer that used it. The only deer I had on the camera for, I think it might have been almost a month that camera was there. Wow. Only deer that even used that bed. Okay. And you think so he's that, still using that bed? I, I think he'll definitely still use that bed. Okay. From uh, from uh, my four years of, you know, the beast hunting, um, seeing how they react, from talking with other guys, um, he's, he's going to go back to that bed this year. You know, he, he feels safe. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, the reason why he was there is there's two oaks right there. Um, the one oak was producing last year. Um, when I went in there uh, maybe like a month ago, the oak above it, that one looked like it was loaded. Hmm. So if I, if I can hit it just right, the timing, the wind, you know, is right, he should be right there. So the, so I, you know, the time frame last year when, when you bumped him, when was that? October 10th. Okay, so it's, that's coming up quick. Are you kind of basically going to roughly in that same time frame hang in, hang and hunt in there? When, when yeah, I mean, uh, when the, uh, the right wind, uh, basically that uh, west wind comes up, or straight west wind, that's going to give me enough noise to get in close to this bed. It's 36 yards away. Um, it's the only way I can do this, just the way the train um the briars, right? Uh, the trees, everything. I, I can't get in. Um, he from from his bed, uh, about fifteen to twenty yards away from his bed, his trail splits. Okay. And and he can go, you know, three different directions. And so, um, if he goes straight, I can't set up in there. My wind's gonna be blowing right into him. Uh -huh. If he goes right, if he goes right from there, he goes over to that private piece. You know, so I can't, you know, I can't get to him. Right. My only, my only setup is to be almost, you know, it, it, the only tree that I can even get to is 36 yards away. So it's going to be, it's going to be a tight one. It's going to be a, you know, um, a nail biter, but you know, that's, that's the only option I have. So on it, but 36 yards away from his, from the bed or from where this trail kind of splits off? So, I mean, it's 36 yards away from the tree that he beds under, okay. and it's like 30, 30 yards from that trail where it splits. So basically, you're you're hoping to get him coming out of the bed and at that trail intersection. At that trail intersection, correct. Okay, and it'll be like a 30-yard shot. Yep. Okay, and you can get, um, you can get like, vision-wise, he can't see your stand from his bed? Nope. So, um... When I was in there in uh, December, what I do is um, I take an orange hat with me for scouting. Mm -hmm. um, those beds I find, I'll hang an orange, orange hat right above it, that bed, and then you walk back backwards. You walk back until you can't see that orange hat anymore. So then you know, you know, um, you know, that orange hat's normally, you know, we'll say a tree limb. It's hanging probably like, you know, say a foot above where a deer's head would be. Mm -hmm. So if you can't see that, that's giving you a good buffer zone. Yeah, yeah. And then the wind so, would give you the noise cover you need. The, the, the cover I need, and then, the, you know, with the leaves still being on the trees, um, there's, this, there's a solid back wall of briars. You know, he, he's going to be low enough um, where he won't be able to see. 
uh, I can get two sticks high, and then I should be able to, from that two sticks high, uh, hopefully I should be able to see just over top. But if not, then, you know, it's it's a waiting game and glassing, and then hopefully, you know, the wind will move just right where I'll be able to see. But so, it will still be, you know, undercover. So you're only going two sticks high because he can see you if you go higher? If I go any higher, then I'm going to put myself at risk of, uh, you know, him standing up and catching yeah. me. Okay, wow. That's like, that's really tight. Uh, I mean, that's exciting. Uh, and and he's not coming back in, you said, mid-October, and then he's just gone. He's gone. And doesn't even come back in late season. No. Okay. No, but I, ran cam- I purposely ran cameras there um, uh, right after season. Um, I put cameras all throughout that area. Just, you know, the leaves are all off the tree. That briar patch is now just an open, um, you know, vast uh, area. There's not really, you know, vegetation or any browse for them. Um, I think what he's doing from there, uh, you know, he got that, that private piece over there. I don't know what kind of food is over there. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's a swamp down below. So uh, he's got two good areas where he can go. Okay. So what happens if you hunt him, you know, you do your stacking, three or four sits, and then you don't get a shot at him? Would you, or do you have other bucks then that you're going to shoot if he's, because by that point, basically, based on your history with him, is he's not coming back for the rest of the season? So what I'm going to do from there is I'm going to focus on that um, uh, that 99 acre uh, private piece. I'm going to, you know, I'm basically going to walk that edge, border that edge. Uh, there's that doe bedding area. Um, I have a set for that one for a rut set. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna try to, you know, move around, try to figure it out where he's gone. Um, if I think all is lost, and uh, my buddies can talk sense into me, which is hard <laughs> to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably you know I have I, I've been I've been stacking spots for you know the past you know four years so uh-huh. i have locations to go to right right you know, where, where i can put myself into a good situation i have a really really uh great area for rut you know so is, you know, all, all my all my eggs are in this basket for him but you know in all honesty it comes down to it you know i will bail um eventually you know when i know i've given 110 percent where it's just i'm you know i'm beating a dead horse in the mouth you know, sure kind of deal. yeah uh, is he the buck that you have the most intel on i've I, I, um definitely have the most uh, history with him okay i guess you could say um all the other deer i mean like i've said you know for the previous years i'd have three or four deer um you know all about three and a half um and you know typically i, I would see at least see him at least once uh, I would pick the right bed, you know, it seemed, but I just, the setups were wrong. Uh, couldn't get a shot, and I, I never see them again. Hmm. So uh, when it comes to, to this deer, if he goes on to this 99 acres, is because you have access to at least walk on that to get to the public, is there any way you could kind of, like, wind bump him back onto the public? Um, no, I mean... The way that this piece sets up, it's it, it sets up nice for that time frame, November time frame. You know, the northern winds and all that. So, um, it'd be kind of hard. And plus, so the public actually does like a, you know, it um, it makes a square around this piece. Mm-hmm. The piece to the south of it, um, you know, that I'm not even focusing on. That has 
um, another great law-abiding citizen that drives his four-wheeler up from his property up into <laughs> the, the public and everything. Um, so, um, yeah, as far as – it, it doesn't matter. I, I, personally, I, for the record, I don't really care what people do on that kind of you – know? yeah. it, it's, it's, it's illegal, yes, you know, this and that. And, I mean, quite honestly, um, um, you know, I found out, uh, you know, this year that, you know, actually cameras and running cameras on New York public is illegal. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's very yep. limiting. So, um, you know, so I, I got, I got some, uh, I got some rash from some people about it, but then I, I turn around and, you know, like how many times do you drive, uh, you know, 75 miles yeah. per hour on, you know, 55. So you're okay with, you're okay with driving a three ton vehicle that can kill you and other people, but you're, you know, you're going to give me crap for running, you know, a camera on public, but it's, that's whatever. Yeah. You know, but, um, but yeah, so that whole entire area is just a wide open area. Um, so I'm just more or less hoping to use this piece of property for access to move, you know, to move around to these little back corners of this, uh, okay. this public. Okay. Okay. Um, that's really exciting, man. That, uh, it sounds like you have a lot of, uh, of information, you know, to go on and, and really have kind of your game plan mapped out. I mean, I think the big thing is, you know, where, you know, different beds are for him and then you have him on actually have him on camera because um you said coming out of the out of beds yep yep uh you know last year was him coming out of that bed so i mean that's just a huge confirmation and then you know well bumping him yeah and then you these know, would you know, seeing him get out of the bed these would be afternoon you're gonna go in like an afternoon set or yep yep afternoon sets okay how early do you think you're gonna set up um, I mean, it's, I'm anticipating the last 200 yards, um, going to take a while mm -hmm. uh, to, to get, to get to these, uh, these particular, uh, trees I need to get to. It all depends on the wind. Um, you know, I, I'd like to have a good consistent, you know, 10 to 15 mile per hour wind so you can move a little bit easier, but I, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, if I have to wait 15, 20 minutes for that next gust. And I'll, I'll wait, you know, 10 to 15 minutes for that next gust. Okay. And do you feel like the, besides the wind, the temperature in terms of the weather, is that a real driving factor of like, okay, bam, we got, you know, cold front moving in or the temperature dropped significantly? Or is it more just kind of the calendar of like, okay, I know at this time he was really active last year? Uh, I mean, I would like for the north wind set i would like uh a, you know for that to be a good cold front um just because i'm back off the area you know a little bit farther than i'd like to be like well i think it's like 125 150 yards away from where i think he's bedded okay on that north wind um so you know therefore i'd like to have a cold front for him to get up you know hopefully that pushes him off you know up on his feet a little bit earlier mm -hmm. to make this move to this you know this area Mm -hmm. yeah wow that's 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 really exciting man um i and you're kind of right up against it right basically like two weeks or so you feel like you kind of yeah. got this window yeah yeah i i feel like i have two weeks um on it so um i will be getting sick uh a couple <laughs> times for the next couple of weeks <laughs> that's funny so this is a buck that you're after now um can you tell us a story of this buck um that you killed in New York. I'm not sure how long ago it was and, um, kind of tell us how that started, uh, and kind of from beginning to end, how you got on him and, and were successful. 
Yeah. Uh, so this would be my. That was that was my second year back um, in New York. Okay. Uh, my first year uh, hunting this piece. Um, typical. I mean, trying to get back into the swing of things. What I learned, you know, you know thirteen years prior to that. Um, setting up on areas, this and that. I had a had a great encounter with a um, uh, still the largest buck I've ever seen from the stand. Uh, I couldn't get a shot because I didn't feel comfortable shooting at 35 yards. Okay. Um, he was 35 yards. 35 yards, yep. And I, you had I, like a clean shot. I had a clean shot. Wow. He was making the scrape. Wow. I, I just, I, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have the confidence to make that, that shot at that distance. Mm -hmm. um, That's a long shot. This is, it's, well, that was, that was a huge driving force to the, to the way I am now with my shots, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but anyways, so, Focusing on that area, um, the, the next year, uh, a buddy of mine had introduced me to the beast. Um, uh, started getting, you know, got into the uh, the bedding areas. Uh, nothing that year, so then um, it'd be the third year into it. Yeah, third year into it. Um, this guy showed up. Uh, I had him on camera a couple of times. Uh, never saw him during the early season, but. The way the area sets up, there's this one doe group that from the previous years, um, it always seemed like they always got a lot of attention come uh, you know, end of October, November. Uh, it was a leeward side coming out of uh, about one-third down. Um, actually, it's a little bit more like halfway, just the way that the slope of the hill is. Um, on the leeward wind side, uh, it wasn't directly downwind embedding. It's basically, you know, following this trail, this the thermal or the um, the tunnel coming out of this bedding area. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, a rut set. You can't. I mean, it got to luck, and it's a little bit of skill on that one. But um, I hunted this, you know, doe bedding instead of doing going downwind. I went with it, and he trailed does out. Okay. Um, you know, from behind it, he gave me a six yard shot. Um, it was a first time sitting there. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, I was in there for 45 minutes. <laughs> what? Wow. 40, 45 minutes. I had, um, I thought I was done. Uh, I wasn't even one stick up the tree yet. And, uh, um, I had a buck walk by me and then, uh, I was actually only three sticks high, high uh, not even spread out, uh, when he came by. Were you planning on getting four sticks up or? Yeah, I wanted I wanted to get four six up, but when that um, that smaller buck came through, I decided that I, I should probably get go ahead and get set up. I, I felt comfortable enough where I was. I wanted to be a little bit higher, but I was high enough. The milkweed um, was going the right direction from there, so I okay. didn't really need to be higher. So yeah, I mean, I just, I just stopped and went right there. And I mean, in hindsight, if I would have gone one more stick um, and gotten set up, uh, that probably would have pushed it another. You know, being quiet probably pushed it another. Um, you know, we'll say 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. It would have been pretty close. Those does, um, could have been pretty close to me. I, you know, I, I might've made a bump or two, um, on my stand or made a noise that could have deterred it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that sounds like you made a, you know, a great move there. So, um, how, so it's a six yard shot. How far did he go? 35, 40. Okay. Wow. Dead, dead dead run i mean when he was running his head was down um you know he, he cartwheeled okay piled up right there wow so you saw matter, him matter of seconds you saw him pile up yeah i love it when that happens uh it's not a good feeling you know if you 
don't see him go down. So um, it's, it's it's just a real bad feeling when you see him walk off in the distance, stop and hunch over for a while. Yeah, and then they and then they slowly walk off. Yeah, I've definitely uh, I've definitely done that before, and it's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there goes your kind of whole day. Um, yeah. But okay, so Tim, one thing I wanted to ask was, as someone who's from an an eastern state, um, and you've hunted also. Um, I'm not really sure exactly how to categorize Kentucky, whether it's kind of, I mean, obviously it's in the South, but there are some elements I think that maybe would fit a little bit more with some places like in the Midwest, like for example, you know, Southern Ohio, how is, is that really that different from, you know, Kentucky, some parts of Kentucky, like West, uh, Western Kentucky. What do you, what do you think? I, so where I was, I was kind of, um, I thought I was Western Kentucky, but I was, uh, I was corrected by a, um, a true Kentucky uh, resident that I was actually in central Kentucky. Okay. Uh, I, I think a lot of that is a lot like um, uh, south uh, southeast Ohio. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Where I was uh, a little bit more open bottomland, I guess you could say. Okay. Uh, flat agricultural areas. Um, when you get extreme west Kentucky, you start to get more into the, the Midwest style. Okay. Okay. So how, you know, for you, how is hunting in the like Northeast different from, you know, uh, you know, the Midwest or even parts of kind of Kentucky? Uh, I think the biggest difference for me going from, uh, from here to down there was just the, the amount of agriculture. I don't have, you know, like I was saying, I don't have a lot of that, um, you know, the bean fields. Uh, so as far as your, your, you're hunting early season you have that you know luxury uh they plant corn here every single year in the same field they don't rotate hmm. not even for like, like beans so, no no wow. beans whatsoever hmm. you know and I don't, I don't i don't know why i've never actually uh, uh gone to talk to farmers about that but yeah just for some reason this particular region um there's barely ever any beans you wow. know you get hay fields hay fields and clover fields every once in a while but um, you know, so I think that's the biggest difference is once you start to get out that way, you know, topographical, um, is going to change a little bit. These are a little bit, I think my area is a little bit more rolling. Uh, the areas that I hunted in Kentucky, uh, I mean, there's a lot of military crests. I mean, steep hillsides, hmm. you know, sheer cuts, um, you know, stuff like that. And then the vegetation and that's the biggest difference on it. Can you break down for us how you began to scout the piece you hunted how you narrowed down where you would sit i think it can be sometimes daunting for someone who's looking to do you know a diy do it yourself out of state trip on a piece of public that they've you know never been to before how to even narrow down um you know these generally some pretty massive tracts of land um so in this case you were sharing earlier um before we started recording that uh, you had a shot on a, on a nice buck there, but you passed. So I think anytime anybody gets a shot opportunity uh, at a nice buck, anytime is a big deal, but particularly when you're kind of going in, um, you know, blind or maybe you scouted it once or something like that. So um, I'm real excited for our listeners to learn from your experience, how you were able to kind of go from, you know, massive amounts of information, obviously via cyber scouting or whatever, and then hone down on actually one particular area and then get into where you can actually get a shot. So what can you share uh, with us about that? Um, yeah, so this piece uh, that I focused on, um, 
it's close to uh, a buddy of mine that lives down there. Um, he has some property down there, so I use that as a campsite. That was my, uh, you know, my, my main camp. Uh, so focusing on this area, it's a huge, huge track, uh, broken up to several different little pieces. Um, from there, you know, I, I knew that's the area that I kind of wanted to focus on. It had enough room for me to get away from people. Uh, from there, uh, a protractor. You know, you, you print out a map, take a protractor. Um, you have a little scale on a lot of maps, you know, tell you how far, you know, you know, increments are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, equals a mile, you know, or this and that. So you take the protractor, you find the parking areas and you draw that little circle, you know, use your protractor to do a little circle, you know, for like a half a mile. And that kind of helps that starts off one way. Okay. Um, you know, the next way is water, you know, um, creeks rivers uh marshes anything that's going to make you know um someone want to go around it uh so focusing on those little areas um and that's how i kind of started that uh okay i started i started off going into those areas and then i started looking at uh bedding areas uh you know topography uh the points uh military crest Mm -hmm. things like that the great part about kentucky is it had um a great mixture of everything. You had your hills, and then you had your your low-lying bottomlands, uh, your river bottom kind of deal, um, and your agriculture all the way through. Kentucky does a great job at uh, doing food plots and stuff like that, which is um, a quick and easy way to uh, figure out where everybody wants to sit. Right, right. Um, you know, so, and, and then from there, too, so you know people want to go sit there, look behind it. You know, look, you know, where, where are those deer coming from? Cause I'm guaranteeing the deer are probably still hitting it. There's not getting to there too late. So where are they coming from? You know, where do they want to go in the meantime stage, you know, and, you know, meanwhile, most people just want to go right to the, you know, the, the easy access, not access, but the easy thought process of it. Well, they want to eat here. So I'm going to go here. So in, in this, this piece of public that you're, you hunted in Kentucky, there's, um, and I know some, you know, wildlife agencies do this, but they, had planted uh like their dnr or whatever had planted significant uh acres of food plots there yeah they were all over the place um actually i ran into uh two or three that you know weren't even on uh you know the map or i wasn't even aware of you know as i'm driving to go look at a piece look over and all of a sudden there's a nicely groomed uh you know green field on the middle of this i'm like oh okay but um yeah, they have um, little pieces. There's Milo down there. There's some small bean fields. Uh, I don't know if they do it on purpose or not, but it's like intermixed. You know, there's some beans with corns, you know, grown out of it. And Okay. Um, it just seemed like more of a focus area. Um, you know, they're scattered. They weren't strategically placed anywhere. Okay. Um, but, you know, the human sign was definitely around every single one of those, you know, areas. Okay. So where did you end up? Uh, well, actually before I ask where you ended up, uh, you know, so Kentucky, I've heard, you know, heard a lot about it, particularly in the last couple of years. It's kind of like a real up and coming state. Um, I think the non-resident tag is pretty reasonable. How much is it? I think 260. Okay. And the opener's really early, right? Uh, yep. September, Labor Day weekend. Okay. Is it Labor Day weekend? Or Memorial Day? Which, September 3rd. I always get those two. Yeah, yeah, it would be yeah up. soon after <laughs> Labor Day. Yeah, I forget when exactly yep. Labor Day falls, but yeah, that's so it's very early. So you know, obviously there's a number of like hunting shows and stuff that are talking about doing Kentucky stuff. Um, what's the 
what's the pressure like either from native you know kentucky kentuckians i guess or or out-of-state guys yeah you got it right kentuckians um you know i didn't I didn't really run into too much. I, I ran into a one guy who was set up in the camper. Uh, Greg was his name. Uh, um, and he actually lived seven miles away. That was, that was his, uh, his vacation. Okay. From his wife and the, his wife and the family, uh-huh. you know, to drive the camper seven miles and post up and to hunt for a week. Wow. Okay. You know, so man, that was him. And, uh, I did see a couple other vehicles. Uh, but like I said, you know, they were right to, um, they're right on the food plots. They're, parked closest to the food plot they could possibly park mm-hmm. um you know I, I think they were all residents too at least you know they're kentucky plates uh the only other issue was the dove hunters they they love doves down there for some reason hmm. you know so so there's a lot of fields that I, you know from cyber scouting that i was thinking might be um you know you know some of these food plots and stuff. They were just cut down fields that were dove fields. Okay. So they're getting, you know, they were getting lit up. But that was basically about it. When you actually had a shot or an encounter with this deer, how many days had you been hunting at that time? So, um, you know, you have like a year to uh, to prepare, or at least that's what I like to set up for. And I'm trying to find the best looking spots that makes the most sense. And, you know, you label them A, B, C, D, and you, you know, you do the alphabet. If you have to do it twice, mm-hmm. you know, twice over, find yourself all these spots, um, especially living so far away. You know, when you get there, you really should allot yourself some time to go scout these areas. You know, um, it, it's kind of one of those catch 22s, you know, where you don't want to go and get your scent all over the place. But at the same time, you need to know if that area is worth the hunt or not. Um, so you have to, you know, try to make a, a game plan of how to attack those areas, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, try to get close to that area and, you know, try to glass it. Um, the fields, uh, that's how I ended up getting on that buck. Um, I, I had hunted four days, four days, I think four or five days. Um, only seen a couple of small bucks, uh, a couple of does. Uh, I ended up getting poison ivy real bad, so I had to bail out and wash everything because i was living in a tent okay um I mean, my eye was my, my eye was swollen shut I had, <laughs> I had chiggers all that kind of stuff so yeah I, I bailed out for a day uh and drove to uh one of the nearest cities and you know got a motel and okay uh pampered myself kind of a deal i was 10 a.m the next day i was uh i was back on the fields uh you know scouting the edges and stuff like that but um yeah i i had worked my way through all these areas um until i found uh you know some sign i would set up on these areas you know whether it be uh you know tracks this and that mm-hmm. a lot of driving you know I, I drove around a lot um but i ended up finding him uh coming out into a field and uh you know it was a a, a private piece and just the way the topography lays and you know from uh, uh from studying you know and from hunting up here kind of figured this is where they're probably moving from and it was a, it was a river bottom there's an ox, great looking oxbow just over on the public piece okay um so that's how i ended up making a move I, I saw him i got eyes on him and another one um and that's how i ended up making the move on him i knew kind of knew that's where he wanted or knew that's where he was coming from i just needed to verify it next day i went um kind of sat back um uh, didn't see anything so i pressed in a little bit more when i was pressing in that's when i started cutting big tracks um 
that's when I stopped. Uh, I got set up immediately. It made sense from you know these tracks where they're headed. Okay. Uh, coming from, and uh, yeah, that's when you know I had my shot opportunity on him. Um, but I was waiting for his buddy, and his buddy never showed. <laughs> I I had I had tag soup. So how how big was this deer? The deer I passed. The deer you passed. Uh, he's probably you know one fifteen, one twenty. Okay. Typical of what we get around here. Um, okay. You know, my my frame of mind is why do I want to travel somewhere else and take something, um, th- you know, my ch- my frame of mind then, yeah, you know, why do I want to, you know, take something I can get back home, you know, which here, you know, a one, you know, anything in the teens to the one twenties is, you know, a great deer, yeah. especially on public. Absolutely. But, but, you know, the, you know, I should have taken him, but knowing, you know, what I saw the other deer, he was still in velvet. That's what I really wanted. Um, the buck I passed, he wasn't in velvet. Oh, um, I see. Okay. You know, so I, I really wanted velvet. I think if he was in velvet, I there wouldn't have been a hesitation one hmm. second. You know, um, but the other deer, you know, he was probably uh, you know, in velvet wise, he looked like he was high thirty. So he, in hindsight, it was a velvet down uh, or off him. Okay. Uh, he's he's probably high, you know, one twenties, one thirty. Okay. On it, you know, so that's what I was waiting for, but. Uh, yeah, I pushed in, uh, he came through, he read the script. I had an opportunity at him. I held off. I looked back. I was waiting for his buddy to come back to, you know, come out. And at one point in time, like, oh, I should, I should probably take this deer. And like, if he gives me another opportunity, I'm going to take him. And so I turned my attention back onto him. He never gave me the opportunity. Mm. His buddy never came back through and I never saw him again. So the first, the way that you got on him was just from like, glassing with your binoculars or whatever from the road yep getting eyes on him when i when i had returned uh from my uh poison ivy excursion poison ivy experience yeah you know i can't i was back at 10 o'clock that morning um you know going to field edges you know working stuff like that uh just trying to get on deer trying to find the best sign um and uh yeah i mean that was a, a private field i was you know leaving uh and you're in the truck at this know, point last, or on foot last light yeah on in the truck you saw him and then the very next day you made a move on him yeah very next day made a move on him um you know i, I hung back i uh, didn't see him so the following day which would be day eight i was down there for 10 days wow. um uh day eight i made you know I, I pushed in even more on it and you know that was obviously the right decision uh to do the you know to push in on it the area uh assumptions were correct and where he was coming from it's mm-hmm. just a poor Poor decision on my part. Well, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's obviously up to up to you. I, I have two yeah. two kind of follow up questions on that. One is, so you saw him on this field. How far back off of that field did you end up having your shot opportunity? Uh, he was probably from that field to the public piece. I want to say I don't think I don't think I ever on it on maxed it or on x the distance on it, but probably about two hundred yards. Two hundred yards uh, from that field to where the public line is, and probably a little bit, you know, a little bit farther, maybe fifty yards from there. And when I saw him, it was a glass light, and they were just at the edge okay. of the field. Okay. So when you you actually made two on on him, you hung one that what that wasn't close enough. Yeah, it wasn't close enough. And then the next day, so it's like three days in a row he's coming out to the same field? The same field. I okay, know, yep. okay. Bean field. 
Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And uh, my other question would be, what about your, like when he first came out and you kind of knew, okay, I'm not going to shoot him. Was your heart like really pumping? Um, or how did kind of mentally that affect you that you, at that point he wasn't your target? My, my heart was pumping because I knew the other deer (laughs) hanging out with him, you know? So it's like, okay, here's this guy, where's his buddy, you know? So the anticipation built up, built up. So the passing of him was kind of easy. I I was, I didn't, you know, I kind of forgot he was even there, you know, and as I'm looking at him broadside, you know, like 20, 25 yards. And then, uh, you know, then it's kind of slowly sank in and, you know, like, there's nothing behind him, you know, yeah. that deer's not behind him. What, what what have I done? You know, kind of the deal, like, you know, I got to make a shot on this guy, you know, I just, it's never happened. Did your heart start pumping then when you finally decided, okay, if he gives me another opportunity, I'm going to take him? Yeah. I mean, it, it pumps, but I also, I, I kind of go into like a, I'm sure you've heard it, like the autopilot mode, you sure. know, kind of like, you know, it's just, it's, it's game time. It's, you know, 100% focused and, I, I I try to tell myself too when I get um, worked up is like it's just it's it's a prey you know that's that's my prey I'm the predator he should be nervous not me mm-hmm. yeah you know so it's like a, a little mental game and um, uh, another thing uh, that's really helped me too is um you know I do the train to hunt competitions uh, regulate my breathing my heart rate uh, you know we do a thing where you know we'll do you know twenty burpees uh, which is you know between every burpee you got to hop over uh you know a 20 inch box and then you got you know run 400 yards run back and then shoot your bow wow you know and then the next thing you know so you're you're, you're out of breath your heart you know your your face is fuzzy and you, you have to make good shots uh-huh. you know if, if you know if you don't make a good shot as you know you're penalized so it, that has helped with the um you know as far as the breathing and focusing and all that kind of stuff. So that's not necessarily, you're not necessarily controlling your breathing in terms of like getting your heart rate down. You're actually saying you're basically training your body and mind to shoot when your heart rate is elevated. Is that to, to shoot with it? Yeah, you know, to, to to not let it damper you. You know, to be basically, you know, to coincide with it. Okay. Okay. Almost. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty. You're, awesome. you're basically you're basically learning how to instead of you know. You know how how to how to uh, yeah I don't know how I I know what I want to try to say how to manage you know, like, uh, a thing yeah manage it yeah yeah. yeah that's that's really cool okay so with uh, kind of wrapping up the discussion about the Kentucky hunt what were yep. were three things that were key uh, to and I, I'm gonna use the word success because you had an opportunity uh, key to having an opportunity. Um, on uh, public land in that in that Kentucky hunt, three things. Uh, so the time frame of the year um, played a major role in it. Um, and the three factors, uh, it'd be having the backups and after backups. You know, like um, uh, if it didn't, if I ran out of backups there, I had another. Uh, I was ready to pack up camp and go to another piece. You know, of public. You know, a couple miles away. You know, okay. A couple hundred, a couple hours away, re- literally. But having the backups, um, being mobile, and uh, getting eyes on the buck, uh, that was the huge thing. Um, that's something that I, I realized uh, you know, within the past couple of years. It seems like a lot of people that have really good success as far as out-of-state stuff mm-hmm. and, and the areas they go to as far as early season, 
it's all getting eyes on the deer. If you can get eyes on the deer, their patterns are still pretty much predictable. Right. You can make those moves on it. Mm. You know, and that's just not, it's just not, you know, uh, you, you can barely even shine around where I'm from. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I hear you. Yeah. It's, 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 all, it's, it's your time framing too on that one. Um, you know, going into a rut, you know, vacation, going somewhere else, you know, the, the key factors on, you know, success would, you know, would vary a little bit. But I'd say, um, you know, two of the main things, uh, uh, stay the same would be stay mobile and, uh, having backup spots. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about, did you do morning sits on that trip? Uh, I didn't, I, I did more, uh, um, scouting in the morning, Okay. Uh, you know, drive around, see if I can't catch anything coming off the fields. Uh, and then, uh, you know, wait for them to get back to bed and try to make a move up around, you know, see if I can't get tracks coming in and out. Um, that time frame too, there's not a lot of rubs, so that kind of put a damper into it. So you're just kind of going off of tracks, um, you know, poop and then visual. Yeah. So you're like driving around or walking around in the morning trying to get them still on the fields and then kind of backtracking them? Yep. Okay. I mean, you know, backtrack them. Uh, if you see anything coming, you know, off the fields in the morning, you know, looking at maps and making your best uh, educated guess on, you know, where they're probably going, where, they, where you know, where do they want it to be. Okay. Um, having, having those maps of uh, – uh, pressured areas, you know, like I said, the protractor, you know, mm-hmm. where you know that coming from there, if anybody's hunting, you know, where are they going from there, you know, is their wind possibly bumping them, mm-hmm. and, you know, just you know, really uh, analyzing the situation and where they possibly go, you know. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. That's a, that's an exciting story. So, um, obviously, I, you know, contacted you um, through the Hunting Beast forum, uh, so can you kind of walk me through when you first started uh, hunting beast style and, uh, how long it took before you made your first kill using hunting beast tactics? Yeah, my, uh, my buddy Dylan, um, was after, I think it was like my, my first year back. Um, uh, I, my buddy Dylan, he's kind of helped me out. He's kind of a, he's kind of like a mentor, you know, to me. Um, he, uh, we were, we were walking one day and he's just like, Dan Infault. I was like, what? Who? You mm-hmm. know, he's like, Dan Infault, honeybees. And he like, you know, next thing you know, uh, I think it was like February sometime, you know, I, I was on the honeybees and boom, it was like, you know, it just made sense. Yeah. You know, you know, so uh, the next full year, um, I, I I didn't fully grasp it. Well, I grasped it, but I thought it was, I think, was the number one problem for people. Um, they think it's real cut and dry. You know, uh-huh. okay, well, here's the bed, you know, this and this and this and this. It's not really like that, and then, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then, uh, I wasn't aggressive enough. Hmm. Uh, and my sets were, you know, were, were completely wrong. You know, I, I, I wasn't fully seeing the picture yet. Um, the next year, you know, I had the success of, uh, you know, using the, you know, the thermal tunnel on the leeward side, mm-hmm. you know, coming from, you know, coming from bedding, going from food, you know, I knew they wanted to travel that way. You know, yes, it was, uh, you know, during the rut, um, he was towing along with them, but you know, those, those deer, you were using that travel corridor for a reason mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. So that, I mean, you know, there's that, um, and actually that year too, um, I had a, a blind hunt success, uh, uh, on a doe, uh, basically actually, um, the area I'm focusing on now for that buck, um, that was a blind set, um, on one of the areas where, uh, yeah, never been in there before. 
walked in there, set up, and uh, yeah, I was super close to these does. Okay. Um, I, I got you hear the doe, you know, the does get out, made the commotion, and you know, twenty yard shot. Wow, that's awesome. So what? Uh, so how? Like how many years into beast hunting are you at this point? I think four. Okay. Okay. Like four years now. What do you think is one of the biggest ways guys uh, get kind of hung up when it when shifting from kind of yeah, I don't even know how to describe, you know, there's not like one other way, but just kind of traditional bow hunting, you know, to maybe where you're setting up on food plots or uh, field edges or, you know, multiple sits in a, a stand or something like that, uh, to when someone kind of finds the beast, you know, and the bedding philosophy that Dan has, uh, <clears throat> what was some in that transition period? Because it, it doesn't all my experience at least is it doesn't all like it doesn't yeah there's like a moment where it clicks it's like oh i just got to find a bed and i just got like set up on the bed and it's going to be like clockwork and obviously it doesn't work like that um but you know there's just multiple elements to it and it takes kind of a long time for it to gel so what are ways that like newer guys can kind of or maybe uh uh, an obstacle that people get kind of hung up on deer deer in general you're not going to see deer right if you're doing it right if you're doing it right you're not going to see deer um i think that's one of the hardest things for people um who have been hunting a different way for a long time uh you know they're going out there seeing two or three you know deer at night this and that when you transition to this you know if you're in the right area you're not going to see a deer and there's um you know, my, my hunting log book, I, I have a lot of zeros marked down for deer scene, hmm. you know, and it's, you know, it's, you're no longer looking for deer. You're looking for one specific, you know, deer kind of, a, you know, deal. It might not be a specific buck, but you're mm-hmm. looking for a specific, you know, you know, animal. It's, it's, it's just a different, um, it's just hard for people to do, I guess you could say. You see it a lot, um, especially from being on the beast, you know this time of year uh really you know used to pick up a lot now they have facebook you know year round so that's picked up a lot of momentum sure but uh you know you, you come come the end of the season those you know familiar names that you see a lot of asking questions and this and that they just disappear you, you know you, you don't you don't ever see them again you know kind of a deal until oh, maybe the next season or something like that but hmm. yeah and i think a lot of it is because they you know you see or you hear a lot or read a lot you know, ah, i'm just not seeing anything i don't know if i'm doing it right they lose confidence yeah and that's another huge huge thing um you start losing the confidence you know what they're doing therefore they revert right back to their old ways hmm. yeah just oh well, i think your buck that you're targeting you know that we talked about earlier is a good example of that just a really you know solitary animal um and you might be getting close to him but not not seeing him so that's uh that's, that's, that's good feedback. Um, so kind of closing things out here, I hear you're planning a move to the promised land of Montana. Um, how did this come about, and can you tell us a little bit more about this? Oh, um, I'm, a, I'm 30 years old. I'm single. I have no kids. Uh, I love to hunt. It costs a lot of money to hunt different animals. Montana has everything. Um, <laughs> that's, that's basically what it comes down to. Um, yeah, I, I don't, my, my parents, you know, I'm an only child. Um, my parents are separated. Uh, my father, 
he'll be turning 60 this year. Okay. My mother would be like 50, 55. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're getting up there. Um, it's, ex- it's, it's expensive to hunt, you know, do out of state hunts. Um, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I want to, I want to be able to hunt every single animal, you know, I possibly haven't, you know, can Montana offers it all, um, you know, elk, um, mule deer, whitetail, black bear, um, well, grizzly's not yet, but, um, mountain lion i, I have a, a, a fetish about you know a mountain <laughs> mountain lion. I, I, I love i love that to me they're apex predator they're just huh, nasty yeah, critters yeah you know um you got your uh your mountain goat and you got bighorns wow all right there um now of course you know a lot of the, you know the bighorn mountain goat it's a lottery you have a lot better opportunity at um you know a chance of winning those draws if you're a resident there mm-hmm. so you know that's you know that, that's that's i I would just love to be in mountain goat country. Wow. You know, and to do that. And so that's, that's kind of how that, you know, part came about. Um, you know, I've always had a little, little infatuation with, uh, Montana. Um, a river runs through it, uh, was like, you know, filmed in Missoula, Montana. That's exactly, uh, I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's, that sparked my, um, uh, my fly fishing when I did that when I was younger. Hmm. Um, but that was that was my favorite movie. You know, I had that thing on. You know, I, I wore the tape out of that thing, that VHS. Yeah. Um. But that, that sparked my original interest in it. Um. You know. Then of course, you know, Eastman VHS is through there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, like I said, I don't. Yeah. You know, I, I I have a, you know a decent job, but it's not like a. Um. It's not like I can't get um you know the same job out there. So, okay. Um. Yeah, I'm just going for it. And when will you be be moving? I would. I was really aiming for March to try to be a resident um, by opener, but um, realistically, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so right now we're looking at, I'm going to start applying for jobs in April to try okay. to be out there by May. If um, nothing comes about, then I will pack up everything and uh, move out there in May. And uh, I have, you know, I have a few months uh um, you know, money saved up, this and that, you know, to find a job. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be lazy, but right. I'm not trying to, you know, right. to, to work 60 hours a week to, uh, to, to make a living and not hunt either. So, you yeah. know, it will be a bare minimal living, you know, for the next, uh, you know, few years to, to try to take it, you know, have an opportunity at, um, you know, every animal I could possibly get a chance at. You know, then I'll probably have to, you know, unless something happens while I'm out there, it makes me want to stay out there, but then I'll probably end up coming back to the parents. Okay, okay. Yeah, I remember I was texting you about that uh, moving, and uh, you said, I said, well, what are you going to do out there? And you're like, hunt every living creature. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yep. that's pretty funny. Um, what about, uh, and for the record, I, I mean, I've, yeah, uh, thought about, you know, oh, man, it'd be great to move out west and... Um, of course you got awesome fishing out there, but, uh, what about the winters? You know, I think like in September they start getting snow. So what are your kind of thoughts about the adjustment to that? Yeah. Uh, that was, that's probably uh, one of the most common questions, uh, about it. Um, actually where I live, um, Syracuse is like the third most, uh, accumulated snow city in the, uh, lower 48. No way. Because of the lake effect. The lake effect. We get more snow here. Than they do in Montana. Yeah, it's snowing right now in Montana, but uh, 
I have also heard that the snow out there is a light, fluffy snow. It's not the lake effect, heavy, damp. Okay. You know, break your shovel. You know, yeah. With a with a scoop. Um. Yeah. Uh. Actually, upstate New York had like three or four of the top cities for the most snowfall uh, in the U.S. Montana wasn't even on the top ten. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think I think something like I think Missoula averages like uh, forty inches a year, and, and they is- only have. And they only have like, uh, um, I think like fifty some, di- like, a, like a fifty day uh, period. Okay. Too, whereas upstate New York had something like a sixty to seventy day period of wow. snow or some something like that. What is how much like what how many inches does Syracuse get? God, I think I think it's close to like sixty inches. Wow. Fifty to sixty inches something like that a year. I mean, you know, Buffalo a couple of years ago or two years ago, maybe even last year, you know, they had one snowfall where it was three feet. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. You know, like. Wow. So what about a cost of living for someone who's kind of looking, who who really likes the outdoor lifestyle and is looking to, to move out, out west? You know, I know Montana is a popular destination. What What's kind of, is there any difference in cost of living from where you're at now? See, so. Rating uh, one through fifty, New York is the third highest tax state or cost of living state in the U.S. Uh, Montana is thirty first. Okay, wow, wow. You know, thirty first. So there's there's a big jump. Uh, you, you can see it when you look at apartments. Uh, you, you know, you can go on the websites and figure out how much you know cost of milk is, gas, sure, all this and that. And you can you can see a reasonable jump uh, in prices on things. Um, you know, of course, your 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 lowest cost of living states are uh, Iowa, Kansas, uh, Ohio, Kentucky, hmm. uh, all your whitetail states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. So the you know? so you you'll you think you'll be out there for like five or so years? Yeah, I want to be out there for uh for a few years. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do is you know I have um uh you know <laughs> through the hunting beast I've made some uh kind of weird uh you know not like you know i guess you say social media or internet friends kind of a deal mm-hmm. you know, i've um i'm in like several group chats of uh dudes i've never met before mm-hmm. but i've had a lot I've, I've had a longer conversation i'm, I'm we're going on three four years now mm-hmm. in this group chat you know with these guys then i had you know i i, I talked to these guys more than i even talked to the guys that you know i grew up with yeah but um you know everybody wants to go out west to hunt you know to do these you know these out-of-state hunts my hopes is uh you know my first year out there you know someone wants to come out there and go with me oh yeah at least at least i can be out there and have my you know the boots on the ground have a jump on things and i can have someone to hunt with absolutely yeah you know know, so and then you know the next year you know someone else can come out you know this and that so you know maybe go hunt this animal and this and that so that's kind of my hopes to to be the eyes and the boots on the ground for somebody who wants to come out you know um yeah that would that would really help a lot of guys so that's yeah that's 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 really cool um well we're uh almost an hour and a half in here tim so i gotta uh we need to wrap it up but i wanted to um just really thank you for your time it's been a really cool uh time to get to talk to you and hear about what's going on up there in in new york um, we actually didn't even talk about uh, you hunting PA this year, but you said that that was in your plans as well. Um, but how can people uh, follow you on social media um, or if they kind of want to follow what you're doing this season? Um, 
you want to follow me what's going on this season i had uh it's basically my name uh tim bunao that's b-u-n-a-o um that's at instagram facebook's the same thing um you got to make sure it's uh, the guy with the mustache, not the other guy. Uh, my father has the same name. He's okay. Got, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of friends that he's never um, that you know, <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't know that you know that are hunters. They're um, really trying to friend you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, okay. <laughs> and then um, uh, the Honey Beast Forum. Um, that's a great way. You know, any questions? I I, I love you know trying to help or at least giving a different sp- perspective on uh, an area. Um, and I think that's what's really helped me along the ways is I've, I was never afraid to reach out to some of these guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, through, through on the beast, you know, reading their posts, they, they hunt the similar ways or, you know, to, you know, train, like send them a message, you know, don't, you know, ask them getting a different perspective might not be exactly what it's supposed to be or, you know, you know, um, the answer, mm-hmm. but it might open up your eyes to a, you know, something else that could open up something more, you know? So, on the honey beast, it's a T, and then my last name again on there. Send me a message. Again, thanks uh, for your time, Tim. Um, Appreciate you having me. Yeah, and uh, really glad to see how this season ends up for you. Looking forward to see watching your season, too. Okay, thanks, Tim. All right, so that's a wrap for our very first episode. I want to thank Tim Bunau for taking time out of his busy schedule to join us and talk deer hunting. I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in and joining us for this inaugural episode. If you enjoyed the episode and you liked the podcast, if you wouldn't mind doing me a favor and heading on over to iTunes and giving us a review, that certainly helps promote the show and get word out there about our new podcast. You can follow us right now on Instagram. We are at Plan the Hunt. Plan the Hunt. If you're out there hunting this week, we wish you the best of luck.